Now to approach our text from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, uh, we need a little context. Jeremiah was called to prophesy when he was a child. In the first chapter of his book, we read, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now Jeremiah was a smart child who did not see himself at the age of five or six or whatever as ready to make a career decision. So he said, oh, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a boy for you shall go to all to whom I send you and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Now if you read through the first 26 chapters of Jeremiah, you'll find that the Lord had Jeremiah say a lot of things that people did not want to hear, especially the kings. This all may seem a little complicated, but I guarantee it's not as complicated as uh, the plot you followed on the Game of Thrones or any other soap opera. You know what a soap opera is, right? It's, a soap opera is a television series in which it takes 18 months to have a premature baby. <laughs> That's true except on the one day you didn't watch it though, right? <laughs> so, but if you can follow Game of Thrones or soap operas or, or North Carolina or national politics, you can follow this. Remember now, David was the shepherd king. He was ruling about a thousand years before Jesus. Then came his wise son Solomon, who built the temple. Those were the glory days for Israel. But when Solomon died, the kingdom split in two, and things went downhill. The ten tribes of the northern kingdom called themselves Israel. Well, they got run over by the Assyrians in 722 B.C., and they ceased to be a nation no more. The southern kingdom, called Judah, they were small and weak when when Jeremiah was called, Assyria was declining, but Babylon was getting stronger. What to do? Who to side with? How to survive? Those were the questions the children of Israel and their leaders faced. And in such uncertain times, that's when, that's when Jeremiah was prophesying. This business of telling people things they do not want to hear, well, it's not what you call a dream job. It was hard and frustrating, wearisome and exhausting. Our passage today is one of Jeremiah's laments. A couple of times where he complains and God responds. In this passage we find Jeremiah discouraged, despairing and lamenting that God has, God has let him down as far as he can tell. Listen now for God's word for us in the 15th chapter of Jeremiah. Woe is me, my mother, that you ever bore me, a man of strife and contention to the whole land. I have not lent nor have I barred, yet all of them curse me. The Lord says, Surely I have intervened in your life for good. Surely I have imposed enemies on you in a time of trouble and in a time of distress. Can iron and bronze break iron from the north? Your wealth and your treasures I will give as plunder without price. For all your sins throughout all your territory, I'll make, I'll make you serve your enemies in a land 
You do not know, for in my anger a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. Jeremiah says, O Lord, you know. Remember me and visit me and bring down retribution for me on my persecutors. And your forbearance, do not take me away. Know that on your account I suffer insult. Your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart for I am called by your name, O Lord, O Lord God of hosts. I did not sit in the company of merrymakers nor did I rejoice under the weight of your hand. I sat alone for you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Truly, you are like you are to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail. Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you turn back, I will take you back, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall serve as my mouth, that is my prophet. It is they who will turn to you, not you who will turn to them. And I will make to you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked, redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Did you hear that? The prophet called God a deceitful brook. A what? There are many, many metaphors for God. Some come to mind readily, such as Lord, King, Shepherd, Father, and rock. That's why it's helpful that, that you have that rock, prayer rock with you in that survival pack. But the Bible includes many, many, many other metaphorical names or images for God. An eagle, even a mother hen. In fact, I brought with me a book that uh, there's a Duke professor at a seminary over there called, uh, her name is Lauren Winner, and, and one of her more recent books is called Wearing God. Um, Sarah and I heard her t give a talk about this book. She said, you know, all these metaphors, she said, but I don't, I don't know many kings or I live in Durham. I don't know many shepherds <laughs> and, 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 and looking for other metaphors. And, and much of this book is a exploration of some of those different metaphors for God. In Jeremiah 17, the Lord is called the fountain of living water. Well, there's a water metaphor, but a deceitful brook. In a wonderful essay on metaphors and in the Bible, the professor and scholar Elizabeth Ochtemeyer says that the main subject of the Bible is God, God's relation to the world and God's people. But God is holy and transcendent and unlike anything in all of creation. 
so that all of our language about God is figurative. It attempts to describe in terms of this world one who is totally different from this world. You may remember that God told the prophet Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So as Professor Ochtemeyer has pointed out, all human language is, it's really inadequate to describe God so that all of our words for God end up being metaphors. What a deceitful brook. Jeremiah is discouraged. He has reason to feel abandoned. The other prophets are lying and deceiving the people, telling them what they want to hear. And the people, the people believe the liars who tell them what they want to hear instead of Jeremiah whose message is from God. Doesn't, doesn't God know how tough it is to be a prophet who has unwelcome, unpopular news? Jeremiah never did preach a sermon that people wanted to hear. But a deceitful brook. What does that even mean? What is a deceitful brook? What is a failed spring? Well, what is Jeremiah going on about? Well, sometimes we, we, we have places that have that name for a deceitful brook. We call it dry branch. I'm sure there's a dry branch in North Carolina. I know there's one in Georgia. There's this fellow who's a, who's a South Carolina preacher named Frank Honeycutt. He's written that in chapter 15 we find that that the old boy Jeremiah has had a, he's had enough of the prophetic life. He gives it to God with both barrels. He asks God to smite his opponents. He blames God for his sufferings. He recalls the past delight in that relationship that is no longer delightful. He complains about being isolated. He cites his whole, he says, I don't even have a social life. And Honeycutt says, can you even imagine Jeremiah going to a wild party? I don't think so. Jeremiah, Jeremiah reminds God he's never, he's never had any fun. At the prayer's end, he bluntly describes God as a dry creek bed. And even though it's a prayer, there's no amen. Well, maybe he had more to say and just wasn't going to say it. Who knows? Jeremiah lets God have it. The prophets, he's vented. And then God responds. Here's how Honeycutt summarizes God's response. Look, mister, God seems to say, if you turn back from this nonsense you're mouthing, I'll take you back. I know these people. They're going to fight against you, but they are not going to prevail over you, for I am with you to save you and deliver you. Well, you and I are we're kind of like Jeremiah in some ways. Like the prophet, we are called by God to a costly service. As with Jeremiah, if we answer that call, if we're faithful to that call, some people will not like us. Some may say bad things about us. Sometimes we'll not just get discouraged, but plain old worn out. Sometimes we'll feel that all our work is in vain. Sometimes we may even feel like Jeremiah that God has deserted us. We may even feel like calling God names like Deceitful Brook or Failed Spring or something worse. But 
God was faithful and patient and loving with Jeremiah. And you and I will find that God is faithful still. As Jeremiah wrote at the end of the third chapter of Lamentations, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Thanks be to God. Wherever you go and whatever you do in the days ahead, remember that you are there for a purpose, to be God's child, to be Christ's disciple in that place, to love God and to love your neighbor. So now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now in every moment of your life. Amen. Well, before we bless the books, I have one more thing for your survival kit. You ever heard of the prophet name Micah? You ever heard of Micah? It's in the Old Testament, one of those dozen prophets they call the minor prophets. I had a friend who used to call them the dirty dozen of the movie. <laughs> but the prophet Micah is most famous for a particular verse, the sixth chapter, the eighth verse. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Justice, kindness, and humility. Well, I guess it wouldn't be nice if you had something to help to remind you of that. What does yours say? share the good news of the gospel. Lord, help each of these students and all, our, all the rest of us too.
to discover and develop our gifts and use our strengths. Help us to use them wisely. Help us to be kind and caring to others. Help these students to do their best in their studies. Help them to respect others. Guide them to make good decisions. Oh God, bless these backpacks and the laptops and the tablets. But most of all, be with these students, be with their parents, and be with their teachers as they start this new school year. Keep them in your care and help them to grow in knowledge and in wisdom. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. 